Welcome, and thank you for tuning into Organon, the official podcast of Ology Research Group, exploring contemporary social issues via data insights and change. According to an article published by the Pew Research Center, most people who attend religious services state that they attend church, synagogue, or mosque to feel closer to God. Those who don't attend religious services tend to be younger, more educated, and democratic. Moreover, about 37% of survey respondents indicated that they don't attend religious services, but they do practice faith in other ways. On this episode, we explore some of the perceptions and traits of those who are churchgoers, some motivations for attending, and why some opt to not go often or at all, as well as some social implications, of course. Present today to talk about this from New York City, we have myself, Carl Letamendi. And Jasmine Letamendi. And recording from Los Angeles, we have... Hey, Casey Shap. And Courtney Hirose. Casey, take it away. Okay, y'all. It's time to talk about Jesus. What? <laughs> yes, that was my intro. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I, I think when I think about growing up, you know, as a kid and as an adult now, what I remember most is going to a synagogue every Sunday because... Um, uh, I'm Jewish, and I, I thought it was it was always an interesting kind of experience because I hated going to the to the syn- synagogue. But as an adult now, I find myself kind of missing that community. And so lately, I've been going to this non-denominal, non-religious denomination that's kind of more focused on kind of like modern day, like it's like self-actualization center that this is what they call themselves as and it's a mix of various religions and it's actually i kind of like it and it's interesting but i wouldn't consider that a church going so it's kind of similar to what we're discussing now and i'm just curious about your experience about you know how was religion impacting you and like uh, and what is your perception now as an adult For me, my my parents are very Catholic, um, and one of the things that I appreciate about my mom is that she she wanted me to learn about um, you know the different prayers and to be part of like on on Sundays go to like Bible school and stuff. Um, and when she did my first communion, which she what, what I thought was really interesting was that she. She couldn't teach me the prayers in English, but she taught the prayers to me in Spanish. And my mom was a single mom, so she worked all, you know, every day except Sundays. And every Sunday, I remember in the morning, she would just wake up and do the prayers with me. And then in order for me to do my my first communion, I had to meet with um, somebody in the church and be able to say all my prayers. And I, when I did my prayers, I did them all in Spanish. And my mom verified that that was okay. And that, that to me was very transformational because it created this social connection with my mom because she, her English is not that great. Uh, but she still wanted me to be part of and understand like the prayers and wanted me to, you know, give us, give me for, and my brother like the example of being, you know, doing our first communion and and being able to to connect with God and introduce us to him. And so I thought that was very powerful because I know all my prayers in Spanish 
And I do know them in English now, but I learned them in Spanish first. And Spanish is my first language. But then coming here to the U.S. very young at five, I, you know, I was always like confused. I'm like, what is my first language? Because I have to learn English. And so I, I do appreciate that, that my mom was able to use that culture mobility and still in me, um, you know, not that I that she wanted me to be super religious, but she wanted to teach me, um, you know, what this association meant with being um, a member of the church and, you know, knowing these prayers. And if I was, ever had anxiety, how I could use the prayers as a coping tool or a protection tool if I felt if I was ever in danger or needed to do anything, you know. So I thought that that was that was very interesting for me. And I still remember that. And my mom was never the person that like imposed that we had to go to mass every weekend. She was just like, do you guys want to go to mass? And what I, what she did very strategically was that she made it part of our communal um, event that we did as a family. So me and my brother, and my mom would all go to church with her and then we would have like lunch together, but she never made it like some thing that it was like, it was forced upon us and that we had to go. Um, so I felt that I still, to this day, like I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I do go to church whenever I feel like I need to connect with God and I say my prayers, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like one of those, um, that I felt my mom didn't impose that on me. She's very Catholic. So my mom, she goes every day, she prays every day and I respect that about her. But to me, I, I do appreciate that she wasn't the type of person who, you know, made made me feel that if I didn't feel super affiliated, that I didn't meet her standards, she understands and she wasn't, you know, judgmental or anything. So I think that's how I was introduced to God. And that's I still, you know, just any higher power that I feel that you have to be willing and giving to take part in this relationship. Yeah, I would say from my perspective, it's similar to Jasmine's where I was part of this Catholic church in Little Tokyo. Um, well, I'm still kind of part of it, but it's essentially, it was an iteration of the Catholic community in the internment camps. So what they did was they had their own kind of Catholic church, like a Manzanar and things like that. And then it evolved into what it is today. Because if you talk to a lot of Japanese Americans, there aren't many who are Catholic. So if usually if you meet someone in LA and they're of just the Japanese ethnicity, they're probably from the same church I'm from. Um, but kind mm -hmm. of what I took away from it as I'm adult, I'm probably definitely part of this stat is I don't go to church kind of every Sunday and I don't feel necessarily the pressure to, because I feel like as long as I adhere to the morals of kind of the Bible and be able to really understand how it influences me to be a good human being, then that's really all that is expected of me as it's more of practicing what's being preached than having to go and just to listen. Cause I feel like there are people who go to church who might not necessarily act in the most appropriate way. So I feel like it's, it's really action over words to a certain degree. And if maybe I need a reminder like Jasmine, I'll go, or if my family's going, then I'll go. But I think there isn't like a wall that you can't go to heaven if you don't go to church, in my opinion. There's no heaven, Courtney. Didn't you know that? <laughs> in your opinion. I respect your opinion. <laughs> well, I'll go to hell, okay? <laughs> if you want, Casey. Yeah. Wait till all the cool kids are at. <laughs> I'll see you there. Well, for me, um, I was born into a Catholic household. 
and we didn't i think i feel like my parents and i went to church mostly to please our um their parents just because they were more you know their level of religiosity was much higher in their home country so we went uh, i have very 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 few memories going to a catholic church um as a kid growing up um but i do remember that when when my dad got really sick with colorectal cancer that my my mom started going to this other church and it had a different a very different layout um it didn't look like a catholic church um the logo was like of a dove with a with a rotating heart so it wasn't it definitely was not a a catholic uh, church it was probably more like an evangelical church or you know some other type of christian church and it was set up more like a um like a theater in a way right where you have the stage um and then a podium on top of the stage and then just kind of like you know theater seats and i think that it was kind of sought as like an alternative seeking kind of like spiritual healing for my dad's illness um and after my dad's passing we moved from new york to florida and then when um you know up actually like a um a pressure cooker salesman came knocking on my mom's door uh it, it turned out that he was um you know attending a, a similar church in south florida so we started going to that church and i kind of grew up with um the the pastor's uh, kids and you know i saw them all go from being eight and nine year olds to being teenagers so kind of like that that element of community was there so if you would have asked me when I was 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 you know been the the people who I went to church with um but in terms of like what you know my motivations for actually going it wasn't really so much the the fact that I believed what I heard there it was more so about that community element and there were also some t- some points during my time within the church that I would kind of like question a couple things and when you do that it's kind of like you're you know you're 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 playing with that one thing that really that holds the community together you know what i mean so like if you didn't go to youth group or you know it it's like hmm you know what are you doing you know are you doing things of the world and you know being sinful you know like what what's up with that so that was like kind of one thing that that turned me off a little bit uh, about it and also that the the church itself was always undergoing kind of like like seeking its own identity in a way um and that's something for a different conversation but um ultimately when i <laughs> when i when i became of age and i um started working more uh and i had an excuse to not go to those things so all of a sudden work became kind of like a priority over going to church and that was acceptable uh but going to church because you just didn't want to go was not an acceptable excuse so i used work as an excuse to not go i made new friends and that's it you know i just kind of moved along from that um and i think that overall like all those years being in the church it kind of made me reflect on who it was that was more likely to go and there was there were some commonalities among the people who were more likely to go to the church and i feel like it was 
you know, people who had some sort of major crisis in their life that were seeking like answers or that they felt powerless. So a lot, there were a lot of people in there who had like, you know, spouses that were, um, that were extremely, extremely sick or people who couldn't find a job or people who had alcohol problems, you know, um, you know, people who just had kind of like one dominant, um, issue that they needed to overcome and they sought the spiritual as something that they could, um, work with. And I know that a lot of people would probably be like, Oh, you know, you know, there's no, heaven there's no hell there's no nothing you know and i i think that even if you tell somebody who who is a strong um church goer and they're a believer they they will probably fight you and tell you hey there's evidence to prove that there is a that there is a heaven that there is a hell and they'll make reference to the bible and for them that's fact um and they can also cite some um, journals in contemporary medicine, uh, for example, there was a study for in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which showed that people who attended religious services frequently were had significantly lower risk of overall cardiovascular and cancer mortality. Um, so some, you know, some, there's something about that element of like community that it brings to the table. Um, and I know like as, as we open the show, a lot of people also practice faith in other ways too, that aren't any of the major religions. Like some people might want to do yoga or they consider like working out or hiking as, you know, contributing to their overall well-being and spirituality. So I guess we all have like our own ways that we, you know, kind of like do self-care and community building that isn't necessarily going to church. Well, you know, um, I'm going back to the, the but the new study from Pew. I, I'm not sure if it's the same one that we're um, attributing, Carl, but the one I'm looking at looked over people from 15 countries, uh, over 25,000 people, and the three findings of founding is insane because it kind of speaks to our story. So the first one they say is that Americans overall are more religious than Western Europeans. So um, just in terms of like, do you believe in God with absolute certainty? Do you pray daily? Mm-hmm. Another thing they found was that researchers who, I mean, sorry, Americans who consider none, right? Those who are atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, were also more religious than Europeans. And um, it goes to the point where I think you don't have to subscribe to a particular name of religion like catholic jews or christians but you can still believe in god or like a higher deity being and know that you know you can have that relationship with them and the the thing is uh, most americans if you could quantify americans by that regard were very very highly religious were very connected more so than the western counterpart um another thing that i found interesting is that um, the, there's a rise of atheist churches. I know, especially in LA, it's very, very big. And this idea that, you know, you have looking at faith in terms of like supernatural deities, you know, community aspect, you know, kind of look at, I, I call it new age. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's more like this different way of connecting with God. And and the Newark movement kind of focused more on the community aspects, what we grew up enjoying the most of religion. And not necessarily the the sinful asset, which I feel like more people are moving away from, you know, just in terms of de- uh, 
um, you know, categories of behavior in terms of like sin or good or I don't even know what that means. But um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right. I know. Well, yeah, the the atheist church thing sounds kind of like a like an oxymoron in a bit because it's it's exactly, like right? it's like sugar free sugar. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> uh-huh. they're atheists, so they don't go to church and don't believe in anything. But I mean, you're right. Um, isn't the the Scientology church kind of like that? Then, well, the community, they yeah, that's actually that's a fascinating documentary on them netflix but they weren't started as a church to connect people they started as a way to avoid the taxes i mean that's what the netflix says so but but <laughs> that um, i believe <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah what so- do you think courtney i don't know i think with with that said kind of on carl's line maybe everyone's just looking for that sense of community in the community to kind of help, I don't know, just create that connection. Cause I think a part of that study is really just the positivity and the inclusion and then the better overall mental health to a certain degree that helps you kind of thrive in that respect. I think religion more serves as at least my, in my opinion, as like a foundation for moral values, which then helps you iterate and grow into the person that you'd like to be. So even though I don't go to church every day, I would, still want to take my kids to church when they're young just to help them to mold and help them interpret like you should be nice to other people you should not lie to other people you shouldn't cheat to other people like I feel think there are those values that are important to take away that you just need to ingrain in them and then they don't have to go it's less about for me the technical part of the religion I think it's more about the message mm-hmm. do you think there's a negative correlation between the the decline in religious faith and the increase in government corruptions and kind of like the things we're seeing now? No, I don't. Um, I don't really know. I I would say not because I feel like people do what people are going to do. I think it's just now there's more exposure to certain things and you can see how things are doing because I don't, I don't feel like there's any correlation. I don't feel like people back then were 100 times better than we are now. It's just the, everything is more visible because information is so relevant nowadays. Like there's even a stat for companies, only 13% of them know how to use all of the information that they have, which I think is kind of astounding in the fact. But it's because all the data that's accumulated or 95% of it has been accumulated in the last two years, I think it is. I might have to fast fact check myself on that, but... It's it's a very short period of time for a majority of the information that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think you meant to say inverse correlation, right, Casey? Negative, whatever. Negative correlation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, we just have to be careful with that anyway, because when it when it comes to um, the like when it comes to looking at correlations, like you know, some we have to we have to understand that thing. You know, two things that may be similarly related might not determine causality. So, like for example, if you look at statistics from the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the National Vital Statistics, the divorce rate in Maine from the years 2000 to 2009 is strongly correlated with the amount of butter consumed by people in the U.S. So, I mean, that's not a 
that means that basically <laughs> implies that the more butter you eat, the more people are gonna get divorced in Maine. <laughs> My because only... it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. Like, I mean, correlation is not causation. Yeah, yeah, we always tell that. But the thing is, a lot of our studies are correlation based, and I think this is a strong connection we can apply. Is because religion is about morality and sensing the mass and, you know, being good human being and, you know, corruption in politics. Yeah, I know it's always happened, but I just kind of feel like over the past 20 years or so since we've been alive or most cognitant, it's, it seems like more and more scandals, more and more chaos, more and more corruption, more and more just like bad things happening and you're right you know this is a part of the like information war and awareness and i guess we're more aware now yeah. but it's just i mean just now i mean recently two months um this year alone you know we had like me too movement black rights movement um not well black i think i think that's less sorry to cut you off. i think that's less casey about like the correlation between maybe religion and politics. Cause I think for right now it's more a recency effect with our current administration that you think that there might be more corruption. Cause if you go back even two years ago, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't a prevalent issue. And I think with the me too stuff and the black lives matter stuff, I think it's more of an exposure of what's been happening for a while now. And you can't really, like, I don't even know if, I know correlation, we're not saying is not causation, but I don't even know if it's, like, even in the sem- similar trend line where right now you feel like there's more corruption. But it really wasn't that, if you think about the Obama era to a certain degree. Like, can you say there was a political scandal when Obama was in office? I don't know if I can think of one off the top of my head. And that was literally only, like, what, two years ago? Well, also very liberal, so we're biased. <laughs> Oh no! Benghazi yeah. scandal. I mean, apparently that was a scandal. Yeah, but that wasn't Obama himself. It was something else outside of that, and that was one right that made the media quote unquote. But with Trump, we have like maybe a few every other week. So I don't know, and like I feel like it's just the one person that's creating like a snowball of certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's a here's a question: What do you all think about separation of church and state? Do you think that we adhere to that? No, I feel like it would create a mass riot, though, if we were to do it. Our, I mean, we, our country, the Amer- the white version, was founded by um, the religious people, the Quakers, and you know the whole the all the people that um, got the Quakers the oh my God I can't remember the but like Rhode Island Massachusetts uh, Maine you know the early settlers were pilgrims people escaping religious uh, persecution and even though our constitution is I mean does our constitution specifically say religion is not allowed in our government I don't think it specifically say, stated that. Um, I think it's it's like packed into the First Amendment. That was the separation of church and state was a Thomas Jefferson um, inclusion. It's not part of Declaration of Independence because that's not a constitution. First Amendment to the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's supposed to keep it. Well, I mean, I was saying because it, I don't know if you got you all remember, but a while ago there was um, in Oklahoma. 
in like in a municipal government building, they were gonna put the Ten Commandments up as a statue. Do you all remember hearing about that? Oh God, they still have that issue, really? No. Did Did you hear about what happened afterwards? No. Okay. So, oh yeah, yeah. They couldn't. Re- the guy who did it couldn't even recite all the Ten Commandments. Well, even even uh, more interesting, I think. There was also a, a satanic group that said, "Hey, aren't aren't we supposed to not have any?" monuments around government buildings we have separation of church and state but they insisted on putting it up and it went up so what they did is they put a statue of satan next to it and they're like well if you're gonna put a religious statue near a municipal government building so are we and then it just kind of like snowballed into this thing and i didn't really follow the whole story and they ended up moving the satan statues to somewhere else but it kind of sends a message that you know, they there there can't be like a dominant um, religion, you know, governing us because otherwise we're, you know, it's a it's it's a recipe for disaster in such a diverse environment like this one. You know, like in in Russia, for example, you have the, the Catholic Church, which is extremely like rooted into into government. So then, whenever you have movements, yeah. See, Sierra doesn't like religion either. Yeah, like no, no, not religion to my government. (laughs) I know, I totally agree. We're agreeing with you. Sierra has family in Russia. That's why she's upset. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, there there are certain things that that people are protesting in in Russia that we we kind of are like ahead of them in terms of like some social components, but they see it as like sinful and against the church, and the church still has their their hand very deep in the government cookie jar. But, okay, well, you made a really good point. Let me ask you guys a question then. Do you think religion, do you think, like, institutional religions are religious? Like... It depends on who is in charge, I think. Because there's always, like, the ones who aren't looking at it from a religious perspective. There's the ones that are treating it more from like a monetary perspective so i think it depends mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we think uh, jasmine i mean i think that with anything just like religion it could also be used to control people or also to help people and like Courtney was saying you have there's this person that you know or that's you know god speaks through them or whatever that has this authority and then now it's just the ethical piece like is this person going to use that power kind of like a president of a country or um you know anything in the world like you have this power now what do you do with this power or support and this and these um influences and that's where you have to like kind of make these adjustments and see um how are you making sure that you're being um equitable with your decisions and also if you're helping people or you are what is like your fundamental source for helping people or making sure you have the right people on the team to help them in whatever they need because now you're you're using you you have you have a form to help people but you there's also like foundational and guiding practices that are important and sometimes just like with um the lucifer effect like you have this power and then you you know you could use the power to um, the disadvantage of others that you're supposed to be serving. Okay, can you explain the Lucifer effect for people who might not know? So the Lucifer effect is, uh, 
it basically came from like with a professor in um, Stanford, and it showed that that for example, police police officers um, that have this power over uh, people that are incarcerated or in jail, then they treat them unfairly because they have this power. And it's just, once you put on like that uniform, for example, um, the study showed that with putting on that uniform, like it gave you like that, aha, like I have this powerful uniform that I could put on and I have the power to treat people like they are, you know, below me. So it's when you dehumanize others because you have the, you have the power and authority and influence to do, to do so. And the other does not have that. So that's, that is a term that was founded by that professor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I can see like your argument in two things, like religion when institutionalized could be a tool to basically control the mass, you know, like from their like a mental well-being. I guess for me, it's like I feel religion can also have a positive impact by kind of uplifting humanity. I mean, think of all the major organizations that we have now that we take for granted that actually was based on or connected with religious institution. Um, the American Red Cross for one, the Salvation Army, um, uh, you know, like, and a lot of the poor programs where, um, oh, you know, like my orphanage where I grew up was uh, ran by a Catholic church. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, like, I wouldn't be here without them. Mm -hmm. I mean, my parents, too. They had to adopt me. But it's just <laughs> kind of like, um, like, I remember growing up with nuns and, you know, walking around and looking this weird Jesus man person. And um, but like, but like. A lot of we sometimes forget that a lot of like in, like international relief or humanitarian work or religion or started by religious organizations and with a base attendant is to help the poor, the homeless, and the needy. So to me, I see that as what kind of makes religion great and that it should last. And um, you know, the feeling the art described having that sense of community. With okay. that being said, I think you know it's um, it's not for everyone. Because certainly it's not for me, and it's probably better for someone else. Um, oh, I'm gonna be tangent, but this is a really good quote. The, the, someone was asking the Dalai Lama whether or not he thought that Buddhism was the best religion in the world, and he gave the most brilliant answer. So he's like, "Well, you know," um, and I, I'm a little biased because I think it is. But what I know, I'm just rephrasing because I, I didn't say exactly what he said. But what he said was like all religions are actually really, really good because they because they're created for purpose, they serve a need for someone. So maybe Catholicism is not a need for you right now, but it is a need for someone else, and that's good because that's we all need something in the end of the day. So that's how I I, I view it at. Um, in terms of religion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're also like, they're institutions. So they're, they're based on like donations and help and support from others. And they collaborate with many other people. Like for example, like you said, the American Red Cross, like they're, they have, they have so much um, endowment from their fundraising efforts and other partnerships that they do across the globe that mm -hmm. they're able to provide 
disaster relief, emergency assistance, and they have all the supports too from pharmaceuticals and whatnot. Yeah. Yep. Well, all right. So we're now at the 30 minute mark in our episode. Do you all want to move on to the bottom line? Yeah. Yes. Yep. All right. So you want to rock, paper, scissor it? All right. So ready? Rock, paper, scissor, shoot. All right. We all got scissors. <laughs> rock, paper, scissor, shoot. Okay. Two rocks and a scissor. So how do we do this? Oh, wow. It's me and uh, Jasmine since we're all the same mm-hmm. one. Okay, so you Ready? guys. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, Jasmine. <laughs> Alrighty. So my question to you all is, um, you know, how do you feel that you can share with, with um, our listeners are some ways that you still you find your spirituality to help you and provide some examples and some kind of ways that or resources that they could connect to. So I'll start with Carl first. Well, I think we all have different interpretations of what spirituality means. So for me, I have a very... Uh, like an agnostic i guess kind of perception of what what that is and i think whenever you close your eyes to meditate some people will say that's spirituality or some people would say when i stand on the beach and listen to the waves that's spirituality or some people will be like no it's whatever has to do with my spirit spirit um and interestingly in in italian spirit the word for spirit is anima and that also uh, fits with the Latin and Spanish, which means like your your happiness. So I think that's really what it equates to is just whatever makes you um, happy and content and feel at peace. So I think it's for me, spirituality is about the feel, the internal feel like does it make you happy um, you know, does it make you content? Does it make you feel at peace when you're stressed out? Um, so for me, the, the way that I do that is, um, you know, I like going to the gym from time to time. I like long hikes, long strenuous hikes. That does it for me, uh, just getting away and unplugging. And that's what I consider spirituality. And I think um in terms of resources there isn't really like a toolkit that'll help anyone get there i think you just have to do an assessment of what it is that stresses you out and what what gets you out of that state and that's what it is whatever you've identified all right thank you what about you courtney um my view is kind of along the same as carl's i think in terms of spirituality and finding yourself it does it does you only justice to kind of explore different things that might resonate with you via being maybe talking to your local church or maybe talking with your friends or things like that just to really understand what really puts you at peace because I feel like everyone needs a calmer state of mind to a certain degree because you can't always be on a hundred percent because it's just not natural your body won't be able to handle that all the time 
So you really need to understand what your kind of neutral point is and what gets you to be there. I feel like as I've grown more as an adult, it's become more and more important because you can't always be happy. You can't always be sad and being like regular to not have a better word for it is, is actually okay. Um, and then just finding ways to kind of get you to that balance point is kind of what's important. So in terms of resources, it's really up to you to figure out what resonates. I like to read a lot because I like to take different things that make sense to me from different books. For example, there's this book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris, which I didn't think was going to make as much of an impact as it did. It's about kind of this guy, this newscaster who was stressed out and he found meditation. He was really cynical about it. And he really learned to identify his feelings and then push away what wasn't useful. And I freaking loved it. Like, I don't, maybe I don't meditate, but at least it makes me more aware and to be more mindful. And I think things like that in terms of just expanding your knowledge to understand not only yourself, but other people is really important. Definitely. It's understanding self is one of the most, is the key. And we have Casey. What? what? Okay. Um, I define spirituality as finding your humanness. Um, I guess like, I guess what Carl and, and Courtney has been saying so far is like, it's basically what do you do to, um, to kind of like, reduce the stressors of day of modern living like how do you connect with yourself and in some sense i agree with that definition about spirituality is like how do i find ways to remind myself that i'm a human being experience a human emotion um so for me it's a lot of reminding myself to be compassionate with myself to forgive myself to love me and to to nurture the, the inner spirit that i have um so to do that, I, I often um, do a lot of meditation. I like to walk. Um, I like to complain to my friends a lot, which actually is really useful. And I <laughs> love going to my therapist because every time I walk away from the session, I always feel like I'm a better human being. And then lately, actually, for the, over the past five years, I've been doing a lot of tower cards reading. So just like when I'm stressed out, I do a card and the message in the card kind of resonates with an issue that I have, and I reflect a lot on it. And um, that's something that I find really, really helpful and nurturing. And lately, I've, I've been going to this self-actualization fellowship center with my friend, and it's basically you go for 30 minutes, you meditate, and then you have different guest lectures that speaks about different aspects of life. and we always walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, hallelujah, we got connected, woot! And it's it's such a, a mentally rejuvenating feeling. Um, so that's how I connect with my spirituality. That's awesome. And how did you hear about that? My coworker, she we we had similar, we shared similar interests, and she's like, hey, do you know that there's a center called Self-Actualization Center in LA. There are like seven of them. And it was established by this Indian guru. And um, I can't pronounce his name because like, rah, 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 rah. That's, that's, that's out here every time they say it. <laughs> but, um, but, but the guy believes in, basically incorporates Western religions, like all of them, and then with the Eastern faith. And um, I mean, the, 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 church-like in the feeling but 
um, they have this just beautiful building that you just it they go and you just meditate and all about you know how do you find your inner self like as actualization that's like connecting with who you are and um, it's a hard process because you have to unearth a lot of these skeletons that you have that we all have that you know sometimes we don't like to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think we all have like. Um, insights to share with our listeners and we can all learn from each other and there is no like right path you know so you you just whatever fits you you have to have a loving connection with um with the process and be patient and trusting of you know what you feel and how you find yourself in certain situations so that's you know we encourage you all to continue to explore your spiritual journey and to have you know like continue to use your guiding practices to make sure that you have a healthy um, and successful experience. I know that you have support all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. That was great. And now we'd like to turn to our listeners. What do you all think? Are there any topics you'd like to hear on the show? Make sure to send us your thoughts at info at ologyresearchgroup.org and also check us out on Twitter at Twitter handle Ology Research. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.